This is Anna Sui, founder of the Intuitive Business School, and you are listening to the Inspiration Place podcast with the fabulous Miriam Shulman. This episode is sponsored by The Artist Incubator. It's my small group coaching program where I can help you take your art business to the next level. Just imagine what it would feel like to easily be able to build your business and sell your art. It's the Inspiration Place podcast with artist Miriam Shulman. Welcome to the Inspiration Place podcast, an art world insider podcast for artists by an artist, where each week we go behind the scenes to uncover the perspiration and inspiration behind the art. And now, your host, Miriam Shulman. Well, hello, this is your host, artist Miriam Shulman, and you're listening to episode number 61 of the Inspiration Place podcast. I am so thrilled that you're here. Today, we're talking all about using your fear as a catalyst to drive your success as an artist, whether we're talking about the fears of putting yourself out there by offering your art for sale or just overcoming your fears to create in the first place. In this episode, you'll discover how our deepest fears hold us back and how to take fear out of the driver's seat, how to be guided by the light of our purpose and creative expression, and why your struggle is also your strength. By the way, we also have a freebie for you today. It's your unique insight worksheet. You'll learn more about that in today's episode. To grab it, go to shulmanart.com forward slash 61. Today's guest is the founder of the Intuitive Business School, a program that helps coaches, healers, and business owners build their signature programs fearlessly scale their businesses, and use their genius as fuel for growth. Her book, Shadow Magic, Using Your Fear as Fuel, helps entrepreneurs uncover and heal the ways they self-sabotage their own success. We will have a lot to talk about because I know a lot of my listeners do this. Please welcome to the Inspiration Place Anna Sweet. Hello, Anna, and welcome to the show. Hi, Miriam. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. So, Anna, the reason I invited you is because even though your book is targeted at coaches who are working with clients, when I read it, I realized it's so easily adapted for us artists. For example, in the beginning of the book, you ask the, the reader, what if no one signs up for my programs? Which for us artists, it translates into, what if no one buys my art? And Ooh. then you also ask, what if I can't get clients to pay higher rates? Which translates into raising prices for your art. Because <laughs> I see so many artists undercharging for their artwork. I mean, truly undercharging. Or it's just the universal fear that I see from many of my students who maybe they're not trying to profit from their passion, but they just want to paint for fun. And they just think I can't do this. And I should just stick to what I know. So are you ready to dive in? Oh, yes. This sounds really juicy. Yeah, I mean, this is totally up your alley. I'm so glad that you you agreed to come on today. So first of all, let's talk about, since it's the title of your book, let's talk about what the shadow self is. Can you define that? Yes. So in general terms, 
two main parts of us, the shadow self and the executive self. And so the executive self is, you know, basically the part of us, if we're thinking about how we run our lives as leaders or how we run our businesses or how we run uh, basically our life, right? It's we're decisive, move forward in decisions. That's our executive self, the shadow self. And the shadow is really interesting. So you'll find different definitions of the shadow in, you know, psychology, clinical psychology, all the way to indigenous shamanic traditions, right? Energy healers. Everyone has their own definition of shadow. And I kind of pull from all of that. And my definition of the shadow is basically part ego and part internal wounding. So it's the part of us that actually wants to keep pulling us back into the safe space that maybe is deep in a cave, right? That doesn't have to confront people, that never really has to be visible, that's just in the same status quo. Some people might call it stuckness, right? So mm. for the executive self is very expansive and wants to grow and grow impact and learn and create. The shadow self is more disconnected and wants to stay small. It kind of pushes people away, right? There's more tightness in there. And so that's the shadow space that I'm referring to. That's so interesting. So Anna generously did a shadow. What, what did you call our session together? Oh, a shadow session. Yes. I did a shadow session with Anna, which this is something you offer client. Can they just do that with you if they're not in your intensive program, a shadow session? If they are your guests, I'm happy to, just for you oh, guys. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. They email you and, and mention my name type of thing. Or? Absolutely. Yeah. When we did our shadow session, it was really intense, actually, and it was very revealing. So I was feeling overwhelmed about everything I had to do. And what Anna really helped me identify was why I was holding on to certain things that I felt I needed to do. Yeah. Yeah. So at the time I was planning to add on like a, a San Diego in-person event because I'm going to San Diego. And what you helped me realize is that I really needed that time when I was going to San Diego to focus on myself. Yes. I love the way you were able to reveal that through our session. Yes, because a lot of times what I found is most people, whether they're artists or stay-at-home moms or both or entrepreneurs, right? There is a, a driver that pushes us and for most of us, we're not conscious of it, but for most of us, it is a shadow. It's that I need to do more. I need to be more. I need to do this quicker. I need to make the best of my time. I can't waste my time. I need to you know, please other people. I need to make everyone happy. So that energy is actually shadow energy and it causes self-sabotage, right? When Miriam, the best decision for you and you knew it, right? Your executive self knew it. You knew it deep in your soul is you just wanted time to hang out. You just wanted time to balance out everything that's going on. You wanted time for reflection. You wanted time for yourself, right? Yeah. Which actually is very productive and essential to anyone's success. But our shadow, these old wounds, right? Where maybe back in the day, you know, we had parents who kept on forcing us to do things or we felt bad that we weren't doing enough or we saw other people that we're compared to and they're doing all these things. And it's like, well, I need to do that too. So a lot of us are actually running on our shadow and it causes major burnout. It causes us to really sabotage the success that we truly want. Whereas our executive self, our intuition is always pulling us in the right direction of our success, right? If we don't get in our own way. Mm. I want to be vulnerable and share with you what we talked about. My father, as I've mentioned on this podcast before, passed away when he was five years old. 
being the oldest child, my mother always thought, okay, Miriam can take care of herself. And often, you know, even as a small child, I didn't get that nurturing. I had a grieving mother who, you know, had just lost her husband with two young children. Back when my father passed away, back then, they weren't really doing therapy for children who lost a parent. The idea back Mm. then was keep children away from the sad stories. Mm. So the work with Anna that we talked about was really identifying that I don't always have to be taking care of other people, that it's okay for me to be taking care and nurturing myself. So how is that, though, the executive? I'm a little confused about how that is the executive self that knows that. Could you explain that? Yes. And I remember also from your session, there was just a part of you that was just so tired, right? And just wanted to be taken care of. That just wanted to be held and everything's okay, right? And so that's the the wounding that I'm talking about. And I'll answer your question real quick. But usually that wounding, the you know, I need someone to see me, you know, I need, I need help. It's, it's like this kind of internal cry for help, but usually we're so good at ignoring our own needs and putting our self-care last because we have everyone else to take care of and everything else to take care of. Right. And so that's the wounding, a past wounding. That's something that is just there. And until we acknowledge it and really heal it by just giving it acknowledgement and saying, Hey, I got this right then it actually calms down because we're actually meeting our own needs. We're healing the wound essentially. And the part of you that comes in and says, hey, I know there's a part of me that feels scared and that feels really tired and just wants to take care of herself, but she doesn't know how to. That part of you that can step in, that's your true self. That's your executive self. That's the part of you that really has control and the ability to turn that shadow into a positive force, right? Turn that shadow into a creative outlet. I've actually, some of, I think the most, the coolest things I've done in terms of creativity, in terms of marketing, in terms of connecting with people have come from my shadow. So times when I feel really bad. So for example, right now I'm in the middle of launching my mastermind and I'm noticing everyone else around me happens to be launching their mastermind or their program or whatever at the exact same time. And so I'm looking at all their sales pages. I'm looking at some of them are copywriters, right? Professionally, yeah. I'm like, wow, this is some good stuff. I can't compete. This and All this shadow stuff comes up, all this self-doubt. And it's like, maybe I shouldn't launch right now. Maybe I should wait a month, right? So all of these thoughts, and this is me being in my executive self to give you an example. And then I realized, oh, that's just shadow. That's just self-doubt. That's just my own sense of insecurity, right? And then I'm like, oh, okay. So what if I can use that? Because I realize that that's actually teaching me something. So sometimes when our shadow feels wounded, it's teaching us that we need better self-care, right? And for me, my shadow was in this comparison-itis with other coaches. And I was like, oh, okay. Executive self, that's a lesson here. Okay. And my executive self said, you know, Anna, you just need to get more clear on your value. And I was like, that is so brilliant, right? And when I got clear on my value, then I wasn't even comparing myself to people anymore because literally the question that I asked myself was, how am I different from these people? How am I ideal clients? So for your folks, the ideal collectors, why are they looking for someone just like me? And I had to write that out. And when I wrote that out, that was me using my shadow to really instigate some spark, some sort of creativity and innovation, Right. So our shadow can be a great ally for us. It's funny. I just had coffee with a friend today and she always hears me talking about like, oh, I went to Columbia with my mastermind or I'm going to San Diego with my mastermind. She's like, what is this mastermind? So she messaged me later and she says, well, I Googled mastermind. Who do I sign up with? (laughs) It's like, I was like, well, 
there's a lot of different ones. Like she thought like, you know, it's kind of like getting a piano tuner or, you know, getting a, a psychiatrist or I, I don't know what exactly she imagined in her mind, but we're, we take it for granted that people know what masterminds are. Just for the people who are listening who may not know, and I don't want you to feel badly if you don't, Anna and I are actually in a mastermind together. I really love the opportunity to be able to brainstorm with people who are as smart and smarter than me about their businesses and have them look at my own business. My husband can't do it. He doesn't want to do it. My friends don't even know what a mastermind is. So it's really nice to be able to have a group of people and surround yourself with a group of people who are doing the same things as you. Everybody needs a different type for that. So that's what I was trying to explain to my friend. It's like, well, you know, there are masterminds for people who want to be weight loss coaches and there are masterminds for people who just want to be professional artists. Tell us about your mastermind, Anna. Oh, so my mastermind is for people who really want to know themselves better they have been doing things that they probably learned from other masterminds, right? Okay, this is how I run my business. But then they realize there's actually like an inner genius that they haven't really tapped into, like their natural way of creating, right? Which I think your audience can relate to. So it's almost like you've studied under artists and you've been kind of copying their style and then you just want to come up with your own style. But it feels really scary because some of these people are in corporate, right? Or they're in places where it's not easy to freely share who you really are, or it doesn't feel safe for them. And so I, you know, will be doing shadow work with them, but also showing them that they can be their own safety if they back up their own gifts, if they have confidence in their gifts and they stand behind it, because we really are attracting what we put out there in terms of energy, in terms of our thoughts. And when we're thinking that it's unsafe to be really visible, which is a shadow, right? Then we're actually going to shy away from good opportunities and attract situations where it makes us feel kind of uncomfortable and unsafe. But if we can go to the source, which is ourselves, we are the source of how we feel, right? We are the source of abundance. We're the source of respect. So imagining a lot of your listeners probably want to be respected and seen for the quality of artists that they are. And that's an inner game first. Yeah. And you know that, and I'm sure you talk about, I actually heard you talk about that. You know, the mastermind is like that, but more for coaches, and those type of crazy folks. So it's self-development work for people who are in business and using that to help fuel their business through the self-development work. Did I characterize that right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So like I said, there's lots of different types of masterminds. That is Anna's type that Anna and I belong to. It's more strategy based, wouldn't you say? Like very like tactical. Yeah. Robotic almost. Yes. (laughs) Well, yeah. There are mastermind coach, the person leading us, that's the advice he gives. But I found that the people he attracts, like you, like Patty Lennon, her whole business is about using your mindset to attract wealth and how to make sales called by allowing abundance. That's a very mindset issue, not a tactical thing. So I really enjoy the mastermind because even though he's leading, our coach Ron Reich leads with strategy, he attracts this very woo crowd. I'm kind of woo. I like super woo. 
I'm super cool. <laughs> for my own artists who follow me, they like me because of strategy and it's the same sort of thing. I'm actually a bit more similar to Ron. Like I'm very strategic, but I do attract a woo crowd. So I want to get tactical for them because I wanted to talk about pricing, about mm-hmm. underpricing. Let's talk specifically about why people do that. Yes. Our shadow actually makes the pricing, believe it or not. We start thinking about all these weird things. And whenever we start to overthink, that's always a shadow thing. It's, am I really worth this? Well, I didn't, you know, and then you find someone to compare yourself to, which is, it's never a good comparison anyway. Well, this person charges this much, but I've only been doing art this amount of time. And I wasn't trained as an artist and maybe collectors can't afford me or don't want to pay for this or come from this part of the world, whatever, right? So usually our shadow does the pricing which I think is just kind of like a random made up number sometimes. I hear the weirdest things from people like this person I got on the phone with. She had two paintings in the juried show. I said, congratulations. She said she sold them both. I said, that's fantastic. I said, how much did you sell them for? And she had some weird price. Like it was, it wasn't a round number. It was like $87. I was like, was this framed? (laughs) It was like, yes. And didn't you have to pay them a commission? Yes. (laughs) So, you know, she's asking me how to make more money. I was like, well, it's great. You got into this juried show and you sold two paintings. And guess what? If you sold two paintings a week at $80 each at the end of the year, you'll cross the $7,000 mark. Wow. And then some of the things you just said, I have a client who's actually in my group. She has a low pricing for also her portraits, which was began with the number eight for whatever reason, 80 something. I said, well, what size is that? She said, 11 by 14. I said, why aren't you charging more? Well, I'm just starting out. <laughs> like, yeah, but they're good. Yeah. Why do you think I charge when I just started out? Yeah, but yeah. you don't know what people pay in my area. I was like, no, they pay it. You're paying me. <laughs> Clearly, people are paying money for things. So <laughs> That's so true. And sometimes we can't even see that possibility yeah. for us right? Unless we have someone like you that we're working with, unless we have someone who's saying, this is actually really good. And unless we actually see the value in the art, sometimes we we tend to discount our own stuff a lot. And it's like, oh, this thing, you know, it just took me, you know, X amount of hours to do it. And it usually takes us twice the amount of time, right? And effort and thought and, and no one can make any art like that's a duplicate of yours, right? So we have to really be sold in why this is special, right? And why this is something that's valuable in the marketplace. And I think we have to look at those qualities versus a lot of times we look at the the reasons why it's not special and talk ourselves yeah. out of it. And the crazy thing about value is, as you know, if we devalue it, it's one piece can easily be super valuable or just like any other thing, right? But it depends on how we feel about it, how we dialogue it. And obviously getting some professional input is really valuable. Yeah. I like to tell people that they don't know how long it takes you and they don't know how to, that's number one. Like people say, oh, it didn't take me long. It's like, yeah, they don't know that. <laughs> and the other thing is I tell them is they can't do it themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So point. to them, it's huge. It's hugely valuable. Anything that they can't do for themselves, they'll, they'll pay for. And you don't know what they see in that, right? right. Like you, you might think they're just looking, but they probably see something so specific to their personal history and experience that they're like, oh, wow. And so you want to hold space for that. You know, you really want to realize that people will see the value in it if you also feel the value in it. 
and not discount it. Yes. So raise your prices. No prices beginning with eight, unless it's like eight hundred. Eight hundred dollars. Right. That would be a good number. That's right. That's a good number. You're Chinese, is that right? Mm -hmm. So is eight like an auspicious number? Oh yeah, eight's like the best number. So if you go to China and you, your phone number has a bunch of eights or your address has a bunch of eights, like you're set and you can actually like purchase phone numbers and I think even credit cards and stuff that have a lot of eights in it because it's abundance, good luck and you know the infinity symbol. Oh, that's right. Like I was wondering why I remembered that weird fact that eights are good. Okay, because of infinity. All right, so eight is fine, but it shouldn't be eight, a two digit number with eight in it. Make it like three numbers. Yes. All right. Why is your struggle also your strength? Mm, Yeah. I feel like this is a perfect audience, right? Because your struggle adds so much depth and dimension and connectability to your work. And it's the same with, I think, any industry doing anything and in storytelling. So people really bond with the struggle. And what most people do is they want to glaze over the struggle and they want to glaze over the trauma that they've had, or they want to not talk about the quote unquote negative things, right? But really our struggle, if we own it and if we're in our executive space with it, meaning I'm not living in the struggle, I'm that person that can see the struggle for what it is and still be confident in myself, right? That's, I think, living in your executive space with the struggle. And the struggle is a really powerful connector to other people. So if you actually share your struggle, right, and be vulnerable, chances are people can relate to it. You'll actually draw people to you. And if you can share how you've overcome the struggle or are in the process of overcoming the struggle, that actually becomes inspirational, right? And then if you look at just in terms of personal growth, of course, we don't grow unless there's struggle. Most Mm -hmm. of the times we want to hide it. We don't want to look at these parts of us. And what that really does is it stunts our growth, right? So imagine if you're an artist and you only want to paint happy paintings, that's totally cool. That's your prerogative, that's fine. But if you kind of go deeper into a more complex experience with your creativity and with yourself and lean into maybe the uncomfortable parts of the creative process, then you're going to find yourself with just like richer art, right? Richer experiences, richer expressions. Our struggle is definitely also our strength. Yeah, I like that. I also like to share about my past story, you know, that I, I was raised by a single parent and it's not because I'm looking for pity or anything like that, but I think it's so easy for people to look at me now I have a husband, I've been married for 25 years, I have two relatively healthy kids, and to think I have like this fantasy life that they Mm. really have to know that the first 20 years of my life was like a shit show. I mean, Mm -hmm. we were living on social security, I was on financial aid, my my mother remarried, we were moving every two years. So when we look at people also, I just feel it's important to have compassion that you you can look Mm. at somebody not to even people who you might be envious of, you don't know what their story was before they got here. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you don't know how their story ends. Yeah. But you like someone so much better when you hear their struggle. They're human too. They're just like me. My struggle is it's like everyone else's. And so it's it's a great, I love that you share that. It's a great, great point. And also, you know, speaking to your story, when you've lived through the struggle and you've been able to find strength in it, you don't have to repeat it right? You don't have to pass it on. It's just like this almost like medal of honor you have. You're like, okay, cool. I got this. I got to this level because of my struggle. It's a really powerful thing. Yeah. I also think that the fact that my father did die when I was so young, 
that's what adds to my fearlessness because it's like that the worst happened, what could possibly happen? You know, like I'm not worried about a webinar or launch failing. Like I'm not saying I have no fear. That's not true. But it's like, it does enable me to have more courage because what's the worst that can happen now? Yeah. There's a freedom in that, right? There sure is. So you also say that the answers are often inside ourselves. Mm-hmm. How do you tap into that? Ooh, that's a great question. How long do you have? But as it's long actually, as you need, go ahead. <laughs> it's a great question. There's always a part of us, and we all know this, there's always the part of us that's like, you know, Anna, do you really need to have that third slice of cake? Right? Do you really, you know, that's not probably the best decision. Or this is a great time for you to eat cake because you need to celebrate and you need to feel good and, you know, just do what you want, right? And so there are no defined rules because our our situations are always so unique. And the voice of our intuition is alive and prevalent in everyone. The voice of our intuition is actually, it tends to be a very quiet voice. It tends to be not very emotional. So the voice of our intuition can actually get drowned out by the shadow stuff, right? Which is very seductive because it's a pattern for a lot of people. It's a pattern of thinking. It's a pattern of talking down to ourselves. I was just talking to uh, one of my clients today and she's like, my my shadow is really mean. It, it keeps on telling me all the time that I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. But she's you know, thought those thoughts so many times that it's almost comforting, right? That she's like, well, I'm going to fail anyway, so I don't even need to try. It's her whoopee. But her intuitive voice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when we listen to our intuition it actually gives us next steps it's really clever that way it's just go take a walk right now or you know you have a bunch of people that maybe you should contact or this would be a great time to look for locations for a show Mm. our intuition doesn't give us this insight randomly it's because at that exact moment it is the most energetically alive thing for you to do. And so many times, Miriam, my intuition has been like, contact this person. And actually, this just happened. I just got an email right before this call. I emailed somebody and then she emailed me back within five seconds. And she said, oh my God, I was just going to send you an email. So intuition is connected to basically your most, your shortest and most fulfilling path to your journey. So listen to it, right? But it's not the sexiest thing. That's the only thing. Like shadow and fear and stuff can be a lot sexier. Hmm. So we just have to train ourselves to take it down a few notches. How did you arrive at doing this? What is your journey story? You know, I don't normally ask people their journey stories on this podcast. So feel special. Oh, I feel so special. (laughs) I'm usually like, oh, we don't care about your journey. (laughs) That's for another podcast. No, but I really want, I really want to know, how did you come to start doing this type of work? Definitely a trusting in my intuition. I'm not going to tell you the you know, trauma of my whole life, but I definitely came from a history of trauma. My parents grew up during the Cultural Revolution in China. Like there were people who starved to death. There were people in my family that got persecuted and stoned to death, right? And and my parents have uh, different levels of mental health, as a lot of you know immigrants do who come from that type of situation, right? And then we grew up in this culture, and I had no idea who I was. And also I had a family that didn't know what was going on, couldn't advise me on how to be basically not bullied every single day of my life. And I grew up feeling like the, the biggest loser. And I was not good at math, right? And I was just like the biggest loser You can't ever. go to Harvard. Oh, no. I know. Your Failure, life is over. Number 500. Exactly. And so I was like, nothing's going to 
ever come of this. And so I might as well just do what I want anyway. And what brought me to the more intuitive stuff, um, I was always drawn to it, as I'm sure most of your audience was always drawn to some level of art and creativity, but I never owned it as part of me. And I never thought I could do it in my business until one day my intuition was like, why not? And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to give myself permission to go full out, full crazy, full woo for one year and see how I end up. And it ended up being just really cool. I ended up going to all these different places in the world. But most importantly, I felt that connection that I knew was my calling. And then I just gave myself more of a pass to live more and more into it. And the beautiful thing is when you give yourself that permission to really be yourself, your gift grows. So I was never like as articulate or semi-articulate or intuitive as I am now. It's actually me owning myself and standing behind myself that that gift has really grown and brought amazing people and opportunities to me like this one. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I would also say the same thing is true with art. People always think you're born with this special talent. And the truth is you really get good from doing it. So whatever kind of art I'm creating now, this is based on 20 years of working on it and getting better at it and getting better at it and getting better at it. It's not like you wake up one day and you know how to do it. Even yes. even Picasso. I mean, yeah, there's prodigies, sure, but it's not like they start there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's anything else. It's anything else. Even like tennis. They're not born with a racket in their hand. They learn how to do it and then they get better and then they work at it and then they work at it. Yes. And I would say that they, they also have people around them who are saying, do it, keep on doing it, keep on doing it, which is why being in a community like yours is so important because it's so easy for us to talk ourselves out of it because we're in the middle of the process, right? Or in the beginning of the process, we can't see this brilliance that's going to come out of us next week, right? Or next year. Right. And so that encouragement is key. That's beautiful. So if you want to work more with Anna, you can visit her website, which is annasweet.com. And you can find that link plus how to find Anna in all her places on social media. I highly recommend her book, Shadow Magic, Using Your Fear as Fuel. Get that on Amazon. And Audible. Perfect. Anytime that she says coach, put in the word artist. Anytime she says client, put in the word collector. We as artists, we're entrepreneurs too. And everything she talks about is 100% relevant to what we need to do to keep our fears from holding us back. And don't forget, I also adapted inside her book. She has five questions for coaches. So what I did was I took those same five questions, but I adapted them for artists. It's called the Unique Insight Worksheet designed for coaches. I adapted it for creatives. You'll get that freebie as well as links to Anna's website and the book on the show notes page, shulmanart.com forward slash 61. That will give you insight into what makes your art and your creativity uniquely yours. I hope you go grab that. All right, Anna, do you have any last words for my listeners before we call this podcast complete? Oh, yes. I was thinking about this during the whole call. And Miriam, something that you don't know about me is when I was younger, so like in high school, I actually did some painting and I sold a few pieces. And I remember when I got that validation, I was like, whoa, that's so cool. Someone wants my art. And now as someone who's grown and you know being creative in different ways, right? I think for your people, it's so easy to seek validation externally. So if someone buys this, then it's good art, right? But a lot of times it's flipped. It's 
you have to really believe that it's good art and you have to really believe that you are a good artist and that you're always growing and getting better and better. And that's actually what's going to bring the people who appreciate your work to you. Oh, I love that. I would end right there. But now I have to ask you about your painting. Have you returned to painting in your adult life? Are you still doing anything creative that way? I have been called to do it. And maybe this is exactly what I need. So I've moved that to journaling and, you know, just sketching in the journal and creative ways to journal. The painting that I sold was, it was actually a picture of the universe. And it was a little Chagall-like because I was all about Chagall at the time. And I actually think it's hanging in a hospital somewhere. Oh, that's such a great story. Oh, wow. All right, Anna, so thanks so much again for joining us today. I really enjoyed having you. Thank you so much for having me. I hope your listeners got something. I really, really, really believe in what you do, Miriam. And I think that artists really, like they add so much love and color and beauty in the world. You know, you really do. Thanks. To wrap this all up, I just want to remind you to subscribe to my podcast if you want to hear more guests like Anna. I've got some really good ones coming your way. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for being with me here today. I'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Make it a great one. Thank you for listening to the Inspiration Place podcast. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash shulmanart, on Instagram at shulmanart, and of course, on shulmanart.com. This episode was sponsored by The Artist Incubator. It's my small group coaching program where I help you take your art business to the next level with practical strategies that work. Imagine what it would feel like to be easily selling your art and profiting from your passion.